In an earlier episode of CC Airwaves, we talked with Bob DeJohn about the pre-planning process. In today's episode, Katie Rosen sits down with Bob once again and talks about what to do when a loved one passes away. This is CC Airwaves. Today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, and it's a little bit of a sensitive topic, so we're really happy to have um, Bob Dijon back with us, who, um, for those of you that this is your first time listening, Bob is the pre-planning coordinator here at the Catholic Cemeteries Association, so he's the right guy to talk to when it comes to um, making your arrangements in advance, um, anything that involves cemetery uh, you know, operations, but Bob, you also worked as a funeral director for many years, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'm still licensed, and I was a, a practicing funeral director for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have a lot of um, just experience about end of life arrangements in general, which is why today yeah. when we talk about you know what do you do when a loved one dies and what are those first steps you need to take, um, I think Bob, you'll have a lot to share with us because obviously. This is a topic that no one really wants to think about or enjoys thinking about. And because we kind of avoid it, I think a lot of people don't know what to do if they find themselves in that situation. Um, so, Bob, I guess a good first question for you would be, um, what, who should you call first or what should you do first when your loved one passes away? Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, question, uh, Katie, uh, because, you know, most people, um, even if they're prepared for this death, it's a, it's a big shock to them and uh, they lose all track uh, of their mind. Uh, so, you know, when, when speaking of that, it all depends when somebody dies. So if you're speaking of um, transporting your loved one, it would obviously be the funeral home. However, if you're thinking about making uh, final arrangements, it would be the cemetery and then the funeral home. Uh, so those are the processes uh, you should probably think of first is getting your loved one if they die, uh, whether it be at a hospital or a nursing home uh, or if they're under hospice care at home, you would need to get them to the funeral home. Uh, but when speaking of arrangements, again, uh, you should be thinking about uh, the final place where they'll be laid to rest as well as uh, funeral services. So that's really good to know. And I think the, um, I think something that at least has been confusing for me is that, like you said, when it comes to transporting your loved one or getting them, you know, to, uh, you know, where they need to go for the mortuary and all of that, called the funeral home, but when it comes to actually purchasing the spot and all that, you go to the cemetery first, right? Because um, the cemetery decisions will impact um, the funeral decisions, right? Or can you explain that a little bit more? 
That is very correct. Yes. So, you know, whenever I plan anything in life, I begin with the end in mind and work backwards. So in this case scenario, when you're speaking of your loved one who has died, uh, you would think about their final resting place and going to the cemetery uh, to get all of those arrangements made. Um, and by going to the cemetery, you will be able to get questions answered um, about the final disposition of your loved one. You know, sh you know, um, if they're going to be cremated, um, should I bury them in the ground or out of ground? If they're going to be cremated, what type of container would they need to be in? Uh, so we'll be able to give you all of that that information. So if it's going to be traditionally buried, um, if you were going to go into a mausoleum, uh, you'll need to be embalmed. So you'll know that you'll need embalming for that. And you'll also need to know that you'll need to be in a metal caskets because we don't permit uh, wood caskets in our mausoleum. So you'll learn all of these from all of this information at the cemetery. Gotcha. So I think that's important because I think most people's first instinct is funeral home, which isn't, you know, a bad one. Like you said, you still need, there's all those logistics that go with that. But I think um, a lot of people forget that the cemetery is, you know, an equally important part to making those decisions. And um, so thank you for explaining that a little bit more because so a lot of people, um, and I just want to tell everyone that a lot of people want to make arrangements right away. Okay. So they'll start calling the church. Uh, they'll start calling um, their family and friends and telling them when everything will be happening without checking with the cemetery to make sure that's good with them and also not contacting the um, funeral home to make sure that those arrangements can be handled by them. You know, funeral homes, uh, they may say, I want arrangements on Friday, but that funeral home may have revisitations already uh, they may want they may say I want the funeral mass on Saturday but that church may already have three funeral masses on Saturday maybe shorter priest may not be able to handle that so so yeah when making these arrangements is always best to first call the cemetery and then your funeral home to make those arrangements and you know churches uh, really prefer that also that they uh, contact uh, the funeral home to make those arrangements Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So again, thank you for just taking the time to explain that in more detail, because um, I know we receive a lot of questions about that. So um, speaking of commonly asked questions, I have a few more here um, that um, I know you, Bob, have said a lot of people wonder about, and I know we always get questions through the website. But um, And I know earlier you mentioned, you know, um, your loved one passes away in a nursing home or a hospital. Um, there's like a procedure for that. But what if your loved one passes away at your house? Um, what, who should you call um, to take care of that for you? Yeah, that's a good question. So if they're under hospice care uh, at home, you can call your hospice nurse, which you'll have all of that information. And the hospice nurse will come out, they will be able to pronounce that person dead, and then the hospice nurse or the family can call the funeral home to have your loved one transported. But if, um, if it's a sudden death, uh, you definitely need to call 911. Uh, because 911 will need to come out, uh, and first of all, that'll be an ambulance as well as the authorities, uh, because they'll need to uh, see the situation that that person died. Uh, and then what will happen from there is 911 will either 
um, the paramedics will either pronounce that person dead or they'll transport them to the hospital. If they pronounce them dead, then the authorities will take over and they'll uh, determine whether that person has seen a doctor within the past two weeks. If they've seen a doctor within the past two weeks and that doctor will sign a death certificate, then they will be able to go to the funeral home from there. However, if they haven't seen a doctor within the past two weeks, then uh, the uh, police will need to call the medical examiner and either get a release or then that person would go to the medical examiner's office uh, to determine a cause of death. And then that's where your death certificate will come from. Okay, that's really interesting. So if they're not, um, if your loved one isn't using some type of health care, you know, like you said, whether it's hospice or they're in a nursing home or hospital, if they're not included in that umbrella, then calling 911 is the first thing someone should do then? Is that That is correct. And then uh, the paramedics and the police then will coordinate things from there to see where your loved one will have to go from there. You know, um, so if they died suddenly and uh, and it's a heart attack, uh, then they'll probably most likely go to uh, the medical examiner's office to ter- determine that it was a, ha- a heart attack. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's always the authorities first uh, in those yeah. situations. That's the safest way. Mm-hmm. And that's also good to know about that process you mentioned with the medical examiner. Um, I didn't know that that existed. So I can see where if someone, you know, your loved one passes away suddenly and then you have to go through all those extra steps. And I bet that's that can be confusing in the moment. So thank you for talking about that, too, and letting people know that that's, you know, a step a lot of people have to take when, you know, a sudden death occurs. So um, that's really good to know. Um, so another case that I think people don't really think a lot about is what to do if a loved one dies out of state or if, say, your parents live, you know, in a different state than you do when they pass away. Um, what's a good process to follow in that scenario? Yeah, that's also a good question. And I always recommend call the funeral home where you will where, where you will be having services. Um, and this way uh, you will be a, they will be able to coordinate services getting your loved one back. Uh, for example, um, let's say you took your mother down to Austin, Texas where you lived and uh, she dies in a nursing home there and you know that they're not going uh, you're not going to be having any funeral services there. you would call the funeral home in Cleveland and that funeral home uh, will be able to coordinate having, your mother removed from the nursing home and then transported back to Cleveland for services. And by not getting two funeral homes involved, you will be saving yourself money uh, because uh, funeral homes have uh, representatives around the country who can take care of having, that's all they do is take care of uh, removing people from nursing homes, uh, embalming them and preparing to transport them back to your your uh, home state. Um, and uh, sometimes funeral homes will elect to do the removal themselves. So if somebody dies in Columbus and they're coming back to Cleveland and the funeral home will uh, possibly go down to Columbus, do that removal and bring them back uh, to Cleveland. So they'll do all the services here. And again, you're not getting two funeral homes involved and uh, thus saving yourself money. 
That's really interesting. And I think a big thing there is um, how important it is to have a funeral home that you trust, because a lot of what you're, you know, you've been saying so far is um, you really need to be able to trust and depend on your funeral home and your cemetery, because um, when you're dealing with all this, they're the ones that are kind of guiding you through the process. So um, I think that's really interesting what you brought up where they will actually be the ones to facilitate that, you know, transportation and process for you. Yeah, correct. And they'll get all of your, all the information that they need to file the death certificate. They'll get your certified copies of your death certificate. So they'll take care of coordinating all of that. That's really good to know. Um, so Bob, is there anything else you think people um, should know that we haven't already talked about? And again, this is for anyone who just wants to be a little bit more prepared, um, you know, for when their loved ones pass away, but any other people they should call or anything they should keep in mind when something like this happens? So a question I get a lot is, uh, when do you have to go to the medical examiner's office when when there's no question about it? And that's when um, you die 24 hours after surgery or a medical procedure, uh, mm-hmm. sudden deaths such as automobile accidents, um, accidental overdoses, suicides, you'll have to go to the medical examiner's office. Um, so these um, the, these types of situations, you'll definitely go to the medical examiner's office uh, and most likely be autopsied. And the medical examiner is the ultimate authority. Uh, so he has precedence over any doctor out there. Um, so, yeah, uh, you'll go there. And, and another sad situation when people have to go to the medical examiner's office is if they have fallen within the past two weeks. Uh, throughout my career, I saw many uh, elderly people uh, who had fallen within the past, I'm sorry, I said two weeks, but the past two years, they will have mm-hmm. to go to the medical examiner's office. Uh, because the medical examiner wants to make sure that that fall did not cause their death, they'll want to mm-hmm. look into that fall and investigate it. Uh, so, and I saw many times little old ladies go to the medical examiner's office, and it was very, very hard on the family that they had to go there. But usually, what the medical examiner's uh, office does is just um, look at uh, looks looks at the cause of death. They'll look at that person and make sure there wasn't any foul play. Uh, so that's uh, uh, one situation where it's very sad. I used to tell <laughs> used to tell my mother all the time, be very careful and don't fall because I don't want you to go to the medical examiner's office. So, so that's good advice for anyone out there. <laughs> yeah, no, and thank you for sharing that. And I think it is hard, like I said in the beginning, this is just such a sensitive topic. So um, for everyone listening, we know this isn't the normal, you know, a little more lighthearted approach to all of this. But I think, like you said, that's really important information to know, especially when at the time, you're already going through something so traumatic. So just having some exposure to what you might experience in these, you know, different scenarios, I think is at least a little bit helpful. So you're not going in completely blind. All right. Well, um, Bob, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Uh, No, I think uh, we've covered all of it. Uh, Just remember um, to call your cemetery uh, when making those arrangements and call your funeral home. Uh, Between those two, two organizations, they'll be able to assist you in planning for this, uh, this death. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bob, again, for sharing all that. And um, anyone, 
Oh, sorry. It's hard. Um, for those of you who are listening, we're still doing these podcasts remotely. So it's a little bit harder to tell when one person's done talking and the next one's ready. So um, sorry if there was any overlap there. But um, again, Bob, thank you for um, coming and speaking with us. And we do have a few more podcasts planned with Bob in the coming weeks, just about pre-planning and more um, of these, you know, like what you can expect, what the process looks like. So keep a lookout for those. Um, we have one on cremation coming up as well, because I know, Bob, um, in your experience, a lot of people have questions about Catholic cremation and what that process looks like, right? Yes, the teachings of the Catholic Church on cremation. Yes, uh, that'll be a nice discussion. So. Yeah, so everyone keep a lookout for that. Um, in the meantime, if you are interested in um, pre-planning your arrangements or just looking to maybe make arrangements for a loved one in your life, uh, you can find information about all of that, including our cemetery services at clecem.org. If you have any questions about pre-planning or um, anything really relating to end-of-life arrangements or what that process looks like, you can send those questions to podcast at clecem.org. CEM.org, and we can answer them here for you. And we can keep those um, submissions anonymous if you'd like. You can just put that in the email. And you can keep up with us on a variety of social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And again, um, you can find out any information you need to know about the uh, Catholic Cemeteries Association at CLECEM.org. Thank you for listening today. I hope you found today's episode informative. Join us in the future for more informative and enlightening podcasts. Until then, take care, everyone. <laughs>